From the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. It's the Craig Needles Podcast here at Classic Rock 981.com and LondonNewsToday.ca. Plus, you can find us wherever it is you get your podcasts. And some news that broke last week that I wanted to get some analysis on this week was this conversation surrounding moving service Ontario locations to Staples, or in London's case, moving a service Ontario location from London South to Walmart. And there are a lot of problems with this. Uh, what kind of path does this lead us down as far as the safety of the employees uh, uh, keeping their jobs? Uh, are we going to be trading good jobs for, for less well-paying jobs? Uh, what does this mean for people who are trying to access, you know, getting a driver's license? Is there going to be someone who's selling printer ink uh, one moment and then trying to help someone with their health card the next moment? These things are all up in the air right now. The government is doing very little speaking about this. I tried to speak to the premier about this. This yesterday, he was not taking any questions at the London event he was at, which was disappointing. There's also some concerns that have fallen through the cracks here. There's also something that's gone on that really needs to be discussed a little more in my estimation. And to do that, we are joined by Jamie Hildebrand. And I know Jamie pretty well. We've known each other for a long time. Jamie's the executive director of the Huron-Perth Community Legal Clinic, which is funded by Legal Aid Ontario. And there's some con- concerns from the legal community about this move that you may not have thought of that I didn't even think of until it was brought up to me. Jamie, thank you so much for joining me. We appreciate it. It's my great pleasure. Uh, So when this story broke, my concerns were first, you know, Service Ontario employees, how this is going to work for Ontarians, sending money that is supposed to be within Ontario as far as running a Service Ontario goes to mega corporations in the United States. Those were my first concerns. And then people in the legal community brought up other concerns to me that I hadn't really considered. What are you worried about when it comes to this move? Okay, for me to contextualize this, it just needs a little bit of history. Sure. Uh, so when I came to work at the uh, the legal clinic here in Stratford, uh, initially we used to go to the Ontario Rental Housing Tribunal. And uh, it used to surprise me that people, so I, I work in Huron and Perth County, so my, our administrative office is in Stratford, and we have another office, satellite office in Godridge, and some others around the, the two counties. And it used to, be, I found it quite shocking that people, tenants, that's we deal exclusively with tenant applications in response to Landlord applications, we help tenants only. Um, I, I found it shocking there was really no place for a tenant to file an application in Stratford or in Godrich or in any of the environs because the only office for the Landlord and Tenant Board was in London So then, for the Southwest. So then what happened is Service Ontario started to process those applications. So my clientele was able to go to Service Ontario and they would be able to handle certain things. Uh, you know, yes, you can file an application. We can get the forms. Now we'll send it to the London office. We'll fax it there. Whatever it is, because you got to remember, before Service Ontario, um, if you had to file an application, my clients, tenants, poor tenants, people that sometimes on Ontario Works or uh, Ontario Disability Support Program, in order for them to file an application by fax or phone, they would have to use a credit card. Most of them don't have a credit card. So the fact they could go into an office and come up with the money to pay for an application, to be able to go to, it, they, they, the government eventually made this available at Service Ontario locations. Uh, that was a, a great, and they had all the forms, and you could do that. That was a, an important act, physical access point. Not only that, I will say that the staff in the, in the Stratford office were terrific. 
well-informed, that he treated you with respect, like, yes, of course, what can I help you with? Uh, well-organized, it was a good access point. They didn't feel, you know, that wasn't a barrier for them to getting to do that. I didn't realize at the time that not every service in Ontario could do that. I was not aware that there was a privatization of certain service Ontarios. So when the this government went to a digital first, I call it digital fist because that's what it feels like, digital first, meaning all the landlord and tenant board hearings are now going to be digital, you could maybe get an access point service Ontario. And they said, oh, well, you know, service Ontario, they shut down, you can now not get into a landlord and tenant board office anywhere in the province. You can go to Service Ontario. There's 289 Service Ontarios. Only 60 of them would process these kind of applications because the rest of them were privatized and actually aren't really Service Ontarios at all. I don't think they should have the name up there because they don't do a whole raft of things that you could do in those 60 Service Ontario locations that did that stuff. So for my clientele, now let's say I have a client is not living in Stratford. I have a client who wants to file an application living in Mitchell. Service Ontario and Mitchell won't help them. I live in a transportation desert. If they don't have a car, there is no bus, there's no train, there's no, I don't know if they can pay for an Uber. They certainly can't afford a cab. So how do they get somewhere where they can actually file an application or get the forms or understand what's going on? So all these privatized locations were not really Service Ontario's in the same way. So I look at this as a, a, another means of the government dissociating itself of actually having locations. And the problem with that is it's important for people that have to access these government services to feel like they're in a welcoming, accessible environment. I just feel this is another step in backing away from a service provision. It's another step in, a, in, in it mediates the relationship and the accountability between government and the people that it serves, or that it's supposed to serve. So does that explain my concern? Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely does. And and look, I know that people with the government right now would be very quick to point out to us, well, uh, Craig, Jamie, we haven't said we're going to do any of these things. Uh, a couple problems with that. One, you won't actually sit down and answer questions about what you are and are not going to do. So we don't know that. Two, this seems like the sort of move this government has made in order to make things more friendly for the private sector on a variety of levels. And I'll be straight up. This has a bit of a Greenbelt-esque air to it from the perspective that the Staples people are big donors to the Progressive Conservative Party of Ontario. And we've seen how this particular movie goes before. So I don't want anyone here to say, oh, you're being reactionary to things that no one's announced yet. It's entirely possible that these, these things go the way that, that, uh, that Jamie has described here. And in fact, I would be more surprised if it wasn't planned on going that way. So uh, there are real concerns here, of course. And I think that a lot of people in this province maybe uh, wouldn't be aware of what you're outlining here, Jamie. They're just thinking, hey, that's where I get my health card. Hey, that's where I get my driver's license. But for so many people, it's so much more than that, right? Oh, I think that anybody who's involved in a landlord and tenant relationship, be it landlord or tenant, ought to be paying attention. Because this government moved to this digital first. Again, I call it the digital fist. Yep. Uh, and that means no one really gets an in-person hearing. And what that means, what the government does is they now they don't rent out any space to have actual physical hearings. And from their perspective, it looks great. They don't have a single office. They can just deploy their uh, decision makers 
um, on this looks like the Brady Bunch uh, in the Twilight Zone. You're just on a, a perpetual Zoom universe, and you sit there all day. And even if the simplest of applications, sometimes it takes them an hour and a half to take attendance. It's not. It's 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 not even a facsimile of a real experience. So they're not delivering justice. When I started here, um, if you filed an application, you got a hearing within three to five weeks. Now you will get a hearing, if you're lucky, within eight or nine months. I don't know why anybody accepts this. They, I don't know what money they've saved. Um, I don't know who they've benefited by this digital first, digital first movement. But if this is indicative, and I think that it is, by the dismantling and deconstructing the infrastructure and the relationship between government and people, what happens is that people don't get justice. They don't get service. They're locked out. It's just a, a, a gigantic barrier. And the problem moving to, you move your location, you say, oh, well, we'll give you opportunity to go work at Staples. Are they going to insist that people have the kind of expertise that a proper service Ontario employee actually had? And that's one more thing I'll point out here. These kind of machinations, these kind of plans, absolutely remove expertise and the value of the people who do that work at the front line as being an important factor. Those people who work at Service Ontario are really not of any value to the government in the way I suspect they're going to be treated. And any company, any business, it's really, its value is, its goodwill is entirely generated by the people that work there and the relationships that they engender. So if you don't think that's significant, you're not paying attention. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that from a landlord's perspective, this is going to be concerning too, because in a lot of these cases, they want an answer, right? And they don't want to wait months for it and have it be this thing that's kind of hanging over them. So be it the tenant, be it the landlord, there's, there's reason to be concerned here about the way the government has moved these things. Think about this. We have an administrative tribunal called the Landlord and Tenant Board because court is inefficient. Right. This is the most Kafkaesque inefficient thing I've ever seen. So the very reason you have a Landlord and Tenant Board as an administrative tribunal is completely undermined by their current agenda. So, Jamie, what would you like to see to, to fix the system here? Obviously, move it to Staples, move it to Walmart, not a great idea. What would be great ideas? Great idea would be have Service Ontario staffed by Ontario government employees and, and have them, when they develop an expertise in a certain area of the, of the job that they do, retain that employment, give people some sense of value. And what I don't understand, what the government doesn't understand is that when you walk into a facility like Service Ontario and you get good service, it makes them look good. How can that be a bad thing? So I would really like to see them, and I'd like to see landlord and tenant board hearings back in person. And I, I, I know many people would disagree because they think uh, this is more accessible to people who can't get there. And you talk about a transportation desert and all that. But I, I had a lot uh, fewer no-shows when these were in person and people had transportation issues than I have now when it's all digital. I have way more no-shows. So I'd like to see them go back to the real world. Uh, you know, this we're so enamored of our, uh, this kind of convenience 
and dig- digital facsimile or facade that's it's not human life. I think there should be an option. Yeah. And if you want it in person, you can get it in person. Uh, and if you want digital, you can get digital. So therefore, everyone kind of is able to to do what's what's best for them. And I understand that would require some flexibility on the province's part. But uh, maybe that's uh, maybe that's worth it, that flexibility. And they wouldn't be sp- – I mean, they're sitting on all kinds of money. They wouldn't be spending money they don't have. Those systems were already mm-hmm. in place. Those structures were already there. They keep yeah. deconstructing. The problem – well, I think their biggest problem is it would look stupid now. They've invested all this time and energy in, and – patted themselves on the back for doing it the entire time. How do you back up? Yeah, that's uh, the concerning part. And and clearly, uh, they're just going to go hog wild with this Staples and Walmart plan. In fact, there's already uh, kiosks being built at a Staples in Oakville. uh, There's photos of it being being circulated online. So uh, they're clearly uh, really in on this, despite the fact that there was uh, limited, if any, public consultation. These types of issues were not brought to the forefront until they made this particular decision. And I think that, once again, we're going to see a situation in this province where the people who are at the bottom of the income spectrum are going to be the ones who are suffering the brunt of the consequences here for the government making a decision to uh, help out people who uh, who the government kind of likes. Like, it, just, it just feels as though this has been a pattern with this group, and we're seeing it once again. Yeah, and I think when people walk down the street and sneer at people who have to live in a tent, we put them there. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. That's it's, it's what it is. So uh, I'll ask you this, if you have this kind of hope for the situation, we've seen the Ford government reverse course on unpopular decisions before, be it with the green belt. And there's been a couple other instances, but the green belt's the most famous one where the heat got a little bit too much for them. The temperature got a little too high and they decided they were going to reverse course. Do you think that's possible with this one? That's a very interesting question. I, I it would do it. it I would be surprised if they reverse course on this because they've already cozied up. Yeah. And when you look at the facility, have you seen pictures of the facility in Burlington? Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 already ready to go. Yeah, there's Burlington, Oakville. They're, they're like uh, these construction plans, the blueprints were drawn up before this became public. So it's very clear they wanted to do this with as little fanfare as possible. And fortunately, that's not the way it's turned out. The media has found out about it, but they were not planning on broadcasting this until they absolutely had to. It's very clear that's the case. You know, I know it's it's uh, really meta, but I always have to remind myself that, that a government exists as by virtue of our belief in collective association and the things that we can do for each other that we couldn't do on our own. And I don't think this government is really friendly to the populace at large. I think it's completely lost its way. I, I don't think they want it. It's, is it for the betterment of society? An agenda for saving money really is, is not an agenda in and of itself. Yeah, uh, saving money or making money for uh, large U.S. Well, corporations. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, they're they're doing one of those, maybe both of those. Jamie, anything else you want to add on this uh, this conversation before I let you go? No, I think I think I made my points. Uh, is there anything you, you're, you that you uh, wanted any? clarification. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I uh, just, uh, I'm looking at this from the perspective of someone who is trying to deal with landlord and tenant issues, uh, specifically from the tenant side and having more barriers and making the system even more difficult and more challenging than it already is. And, And I think that's a big concern. 
It's huge. Yeah. Uh, uh, and we're talking about in the middle of a housing crisis or people having a hard time with, with place, finding a place to live. It's just, there, there's a lot going on right now. And, and this was not, uh, this was not the chaos bomb that I think the system needed at the very least. And again, the government would say, well, we don't know exactly what we're doing here. We don't know exactly what we're doing there, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm highly suspicious that, that this is in fact going to be a chaos bomb. What no one has answered is why. Yeah. They would say, well, extended service hours. I don't get that for the life of me because you could easily extend service hours at the various locations you've already set up. Yeah, but I've got an interesting, I, I have to wonder, are Service Ontario staff going to work those extended service hours? Good question. I, I'll bet those, it's like the post office, yeah. you know, when you go into the shoppers. Is it open the same hours as the shoppers? Not really. No, no, it's not. Uh, and, and again, these are questions I'd love to ask people at the government. I wanted to ask the premier this question yesterday. He did a news event here in London. Did he take any questions? No. So I would love to get some clarification here. That has proven to be difficult to say the least. Uh, Jamie, this is a really good conversation. Thank you so much for doing it with me. Uh, uh, appreciate, uh, the time as always. And, uh, hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. All the best. That's Jamie Hildebrand the executive director of the Huron-Perth Community Legal Clinic, joining us here on the Craig Needles podcast to talk about his concerns surrounding this move to have Service Ontario kiosks at Staples and at Walmart. And again, it's not all the kiosks. It is not every single worker at a Service Ontario losing their job. Some of these services are still going to be, avail be available. But the question is, will this chip at the integrity of the Service Ontario system? Will this make things worse? And we're working right now basically in the absence of answers from the government about how this is going to go in the future, about how, what this is going to be like. They won't even talk about the Walmart thing which is going to happen here in London, by the way. They have acknowledged the South London Service Ontario is going to go away and that location is going to be moved to a Walmart. I suspect the one at White Oaks Mall, seeing as how that's in South London. Makes sense. So I think that's the way this is going to go. But again, they're being so secretive about this. They're being so dodgy about it. I don't think it's unreasonable for people like me or people in the legal community or people like you, the listeners to this podcast, to assume the worst. Or to assume that things may go poorly or to believe that this might go off the rails because really the government is not doing anything to assuage any of those fears. Their line they gave to uh, City News was no new agreements have been finalized as far as the Walmart thing goes. Uh, yeah, I, I don't necessarily believe that. Again, I'd love to ask questions about it. Maybe they think, and I'm going to be a cynical guy for a second, maybe they think this time rewarding corporate entities that have ties to the progressive conservative government which they did with the Greenbelt mess and now they're doing again with Staples and Walmart. And it was not at all shocking, of course, to find out that Staples executives had donated to the, the Ford's leadership campaign. Maybe they think they're learning a lesson from when the Greenbelt thing went completely off the rails and they thought they talked too much about it. They said too many things. And now they're just going to try to be silent and ride out the storm. Maybe that's the next play from the playbook for the Ford government. I don't know. 
But what I do know is that there are some potential negative consequences here for the people of this province. And I do not like the idea of experiencing them. I don't like the idea of U.S.-based companies reaping the benefits of having service Ontario kiosks in their stores. And I know I've seen people can make the comparison to the Canada Post thing. Yeah, okay, we can talk about that. Uh, whether you like or hate the Canada Post thing, I will acknowledge this. Canada Post and, by extension, the federal government was at the very least willing to have conversations about that and answer questions about that when those moves were made. That is not what the provincial government is doing here. They've said the move was made after lengthy consultations, that's what the province has said. Who are those lengthy consultations with? Do you know anyone who was involved in a lengthy consultation in South London that would have said, oh yeah, no, let's get rid of the South London Service Ontario location. Just put it in the Walmart. If you do, let me know. I'm not saying that person doesn't exist. I just haven't heard of it. So if you do, let me know. You can tweet me at Needles on News. But when the province is seeing struggles with ERs, struggles with Ontario Works and ODSP, and by struggles, I mean the rates are entirely too low. Struggles within the legal system. And their response is to fix none of those things. But don't worry, we're going to help out Staples. That is, that is not what people want to see. This government gets the word corrupt thrown about surrounding it quite a bit. And in the wake of the whole mess with the green belt, rightfully so. I think the word corrupt can be attached. They themselves said that, hey, we had some real problems with our process. They didn't say corrupt, but they're not getting all that mad when you say it about them anymore. So that's at the, at the very least, that process was bad, right? We can all agree there. Even they would agree with that. This is the same thing all over again. So if we're going to look under the hood here and find that, hey, maybe there were some shady dealings, some untoward transactions here, much like in the way that the green belt happened, would anybody be surprised? Would anybody be shocked by that? I'd almost be more shocked at this point if that wasn't the case. Now, again, the government's going to say we're not eliminating jobs and it's only 11 locations and blah, 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 blah. This is cracking the door open for worse service going forward. That's what it is. And I hope, and I mentioned this scenario to Jamie, maybe the heat gets turned up on them so much that they have to change course again, much like they did with the green belt. But I don't know if that's going to happen only because I don't know if Ontarians are going to care as much about this one. For most people in this province, not all, but most, for most people in this province, when they hear Service Ontario is going to be at a Staples, Service Ontario is going to be at a Walmart, they're going to say, okay, every four years I have to go there to get my health card renewed. Big deal. I don't care. But there are some other negative scenarios that could come from this if the government goes the way that it appears they're going to go.
We'll leave it there. The Craig Needles podcast can be found at classicrock981.com and londonnewstoday.ca. Of course, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks very much to Jamie Hildebrand for being a guest on this episode. We'll talk to you on Friday for the roundtable. The Craig Needles podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network. 